Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Holy Ship Podcast. This episode, we are talking with Meg Lloyd on all things alcohol, sobriety, sexuality, purity, all of that jazz. So we're just going to see where the conversation goes today. But Meg is in her Master's of Occupational Therapy at Grand Valley State University and is looking forward to graduating in December when she will begin her fieldwork in Denver and Scottsdale this upcoming year. She loves all things art, books, pure bar, her family, and pups. She absolutely loves to travel and plans to travel full-time as an OT when she is fully licensed. Her ultimate dream is to be a writer and a host and host travel retreats for women all across the world. And Meg and I actually used to work together in high school at a soup shop. So we're just like long, long acquainted friends here. (laughs) So welcome, Meg. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah. So to start off, can you just like tell us more about yourself? Maybe what your favorite soup was at um, Zoop, Um, you know, really give the fans what they want. Definitely. I will say my favorite soup. I don't even think they have it anymore. The macaroni and cheese one. Oh, that was so good. Oh my word. And every time I'm in Grand Rapids um, for school, we go to the Zoop and Honda boss and they never Mm -hmm. have it. So I'm pretty sure they like discontinued it. Yeah. A real bummer. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, they were all so good. I love the Italian wedding meatball one. Yeah, that oh, one was so good. good. <laughs> I feel like they've, you know, no Zoop shade, but I feel like they've kind of like taken the back seat a little bit on the soups. Mm. Like they don't have as many of the ones that I was like on fire about. Oh, it's just because they lost us as superstars. They really needed our like zeal. And <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Full disclosure. I do have at least one nightmare a week about Zoop. Oh, isn't that really? Yeah. I literally have, I've Googled it. I've talked to my counselor about it. I have no idea why I have nightmares about Zoop, but I do. Okay. Isn't that why I feel like I'm probably going to have one tonight because you said it and my mind's just reeling now. (laughs) So prayers for me on that because I don't know. Oh, goodness. But Okay. So I live in Holland right now. I'm finishing up my master's at Grand Valley. Um, I live with my family, my, I'm the oldest. So I have a younger sister who's at Michigan state for nursing. And then I have a younger brother who'll be a junior this year. Um, I don't know. I, I love going to the beach. I'm a super big, like beach girl, basically anything you can do by the water. Like I'll do it. Um, I'm not going to say I'll do it successfully by any means, but, but I'll try it. Um, yeah, I love traveling. I've traveled a ton while I've been in my program, which has been such a blessing because, um, my program's hybrid. So I really only have to do school in person once a month. So I've been to Arizona. I've been to Hawaii. Um, I've been to Vegas, Florida a number of times. So it's, it's been a huge blessing to be able to travel, but yeah, that's kind of what I want to do full-time eventually. Um, I just think there's so many different places and people to see and, if you never get out of your comfort zone, you really don't learn too much. So Uh, that's so cool. We were, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. That's that's on my bucket list. It's (laughs) the best. I've, I've always wanted to live there. And actually one of my best friends, her boyfriend got stationed there in the air force. And she used to always kid with me. She's like, someday I'll move to Hawaii with you. And I was like, okay, like whatever, like Uh you're a bandwagoner. And now she lives there. And I'm like, girl, that was my plan. Yeah. (laughs) But I, it was incredible visiting her and like, she loves it there. So if you ever get a chance to move or visit there, you should do it. Oh, I will someday. <laughs> I found your TikTok a couple, I feel like it was a couple months ago. And then like open whole can of worms. And I found out that you started the Potter's house. And so I like, honestly, I, I definitely insta talked to you for a really long time after that. But it really made me think of this episode because you talk about a talk a lot about how you chose sobriety and I'm really interested in like why you chose that and like what that looks like actively like playing out in your life yeah definitely so um just kind of give you a little bit of a backstory um 
I didn't drink at all in high school. We live in a small town, like, and, um, my parents are both teachers. So I never wanted like that to reflect badly on them. And like, I was really concerned that if I drank, I wouldn't get into college or be able to play sports. So I didn't drink throughout high school, but then once I went to college, um, I drank at Michigan state. It's kind of known for being a big party school mm-hmm. and stuff. And initially I didn't really drink a ton because I was super in all transparency, nervous about being taken advantage of just mm-hmm. because of a big school. And, um, I didn't know anyone and yeah, I don't know, especially mm-hmm. like when you grow up in a town, like you almost, yeah. so like if I was to have drink in high school, at least I would have been surrounded by people I knew, whereas state I wasn't. But then as I got more and more into college, I like started drinking a lot more and I always kind of wrestled with it because I felt like in high school, there were a lot of, um, like mindsets and like people that were super condescending towards those mm-hmm. who drank and, I, even my mentality in high school, even though I didn't drink, I always thought, you know, if they're not harming themselves or harming other people, like, I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really sure how much of that was like laced, um, with like scripture or like truth. Yeah. God. I think it was more so just my mindset and like, mm-hmm. that made sense to me. So that's what I went with. And I kind of felt, followed that in college too, where I was like, you know, if like, I'm not hurting anyone or, um, I'm not hurting myself, like it's fine. And like, sometimes if I had nights where I'd go out and, um, like, let's say I did something, I was like, oh, I, should, I never would have done that sober. Like that was kind of embarrassing. I'd kind of like reel it in for a couple of weeks and then just get right back <laughs> to it. And like, I'm not going to lie. Like something I've learned is it's okay to acknowledge that like, oh, that part of my life was really fun. Like mm-hmm. it was fun. Yeah. And, like I have a good time, but like, it also came with a lot of like dark moments that are really easy to forget mm-hmm. and um like feelings of just like a lack of peace and um just like almost like shame and it wasn't from god like i truly don't believe that god gave me shame but it was mm-hmm. like wow like this is really someone i don't want to become and like the person i was last night like if that's how people think i am like is that what they look what is that what they look at me with mm-hmm. and so Anyways, I graduated college and that was right when COVID hit. And so like, I was kind of staying at home. I was going through a lot of stuff with my mental health. So I just really wasn't drinking a ton. But then once I started seeing people again, I realized I had this tendency where like, I would just not stop drinking. And Mm -hmm. a big part of that was like, I don't love the taste of any alcohol. Like, Uh like the closest thing I could drink without like gagging is like a Mike's hard. Uh huh. <laughs> even that's like a little painful. Like I can still taste it. I'm like, this might as well just be lemonade because it's not fun. Um, so I didn't like the taste of alcohol. So I would just chug everything. And I would, mm-hmm. if like I had a drink, my goal was just to finish it because I didn't like the taste of it, which also made me get drunk a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And I also, I think something that I've always struggled with is like that desire to please people and almost like seek attention yeah. from others. And especially when I was drinking, I felt like I was the funniest person on earth. Like Mm -hmm. everyone like loved me more because I was like the center of attention. And I didn't realize how much of an idol that become until, I don't know, just until I started like reevaluating, like why I was drinking and what, um, it like made me feel about myself because ultimately that was my big thing is like, no matter what other people might think of me, like, I don't like how I feel. And I'm the mm-hmm. only one that deals with the repercussions of like what I do when I drink. Yeah. Everyone else might think I was an absolute hoot last night, mm-hmm. but I'm over here overthinking every single thing I said, wondering if I messed up, if I hurt someone's feelings, if um, like, maybe I kissed a guy that I'm now leading on, like mm-hmm. a lot of things like that. Um So I kind of knew in 2020, I like had a problem with drinking, but I kind of just kept putting it under the rug. Like I'd be sober for a couple of weeks and think that would fix it. Or like, I would be like, I'm never to drink minimum. But like when I had the two drink minimum, I just wanted the effects of the alcohol. So I would still Uh like get really quick so I could feel buzzed. And then I don't know. So I guess last summer I was reading through my devotions and I'll always like make little notes at the bottom of my devotional. Mm -hmm. Um, whenever like I relate to something or if there's something I want to be praying on. And, um, I was reading this one that was all about surrendering 
aspects of our lives that we don't to God mm. and just identifying those and actually taking strides, um, to kind of align our hearts better with God's plan for our lives and what he's calling us to do. And I saw a note that I'd made like exactly a year ago on that day. And I had written like, God, I'm just really struggling with drinking. Like, I don't know how to surrender this, surrender this to you. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of hit me. I'm like, I'm sitting here exactly a year later and nothing has changed. Like yeah. I've tried being sober. I've tried limiting my drinks. I've like tried to do like a month off and it like, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really big, like aha moment of like, okay, this is just not for me. Like, I don't yeah. like going this way. And like, I think something that really has helped me when it comes to making decisions in my habits is picturing myself, um, like a couple years out from now mm-hmm. asking myself like, okay, on this day, 10 years from now, do I still want to be struggling, struggling with drinking mm-hmm. and like still have not taken strides still, um, like feeling this pit in my stomach every time I go mm-hmm. out in the morning or like just thinking about the things that I wanted in my life, like a family, a husband, like kids, um, like a career, um, even just accomplishing the dreams that I feel like God's put on my heart. Yeah. I knew that that was like drinking was a hindrance in my relationship Mm -hmm. with God. And so it would continue to be a hindrance Mm -hmm. in those things that I wanted. And, um, I don't know. So that's kind of like where I ended up deciding to become sober. It's definitely, it's a lot easier said than done. And Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I like, I would never consider myself to have been like a full-blown alcoholic Mm -hmm. because I, and I use that term so lightly because I know the immense weight it has, um, for so many people for so many different reasons, but I will definitely say like, I had some alcoholic tendencies that I Mm -hmm. could have seen, um, just continuing to create those habits and eventually probably would have led me to that point. Mm Mm-hmm. How has your life changed, like, as a result of choosing sobriety? Honestly, everything's just more clear. Like, as Mm -hmm. silly as that sounds, like, I am so much better at, like, just seeing things for how they are, like, observing people in those environments Mm -hmm. and being like, like, wow, like, is that, like, truly how they feel about me as a friend? Or, like, did I ever Mm -hmm. make people feel that way when I was drinking? And, like... I feel like, especially with what God's calling me to do, I'm so much more apt to be obedient to that because I've seen the fruit that this obedience has created in my life. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, I'm actually, I think something I was most fearful about was how my friendships would change. Yeah. Even like my relationship with some of my family members, because I'm sure a lot of people can agree that drinking is sometimes a part of your family's culture. Mm -hmm. And like, if we're gathering as a family, like people are going to be drinking or if we go on a trip, like we're all going to be getting drunk. Um, and I was really, really nervous for how my family and friends would take that. Mm -hmm. But if anything, I have truly felt the most love and support from those people that I was almost most concerned about, Mm -hmm. like the friends that I would mostly hang out when I go out with. Um, I felt like those are the people that have almost respected me the most for it. Um, which is crazy. And I think it's also, I once, I once talked to someone about why, um, their husband doesn't swear. Like I was, I was talking about like how I was kind of struggling with swearing Yeah, that a big reason of why her husband doesn't swear is not because he doesn't understand why words bad or because he believes a certain word is bad, but because it is a conversation starter and it almost Mm. like, yeah is a gateway to allow people to ask questions. And I feel like that is a huge part of my sobriety. Mm -hmm. Every time someone asks me about why I'm sober, why I don't drink, um, it always creates conversation. And a lot of times it results in like a, like, oh my gosh, like I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And it just almost that in itself has made me wonder like how many people out there are struggling with this, especially our age. Like, yeah you go from being in college where it's so normalized mm-hmm. and almost like irregular to not drink. Yeah. That. And then when you graduate all of a sudden, like it's not normal to go out five times a week or not remember half the nights you drink. Like if I remember in college, I was taking this um, like questionnaire and it was asking um, how many times you get drunk in a week and like how many times you don't remember. And 
in the real world, if you get drunk once a week and don't remember the entire night, like that's alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we just normalize it because it's mm-hmm. college and it's your twenties. And like what we end up having is a lot of people in their thirties and forties who are experiencing such brokenness in the families yeah. that they create. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it's changed my life. And, um, it definitely continues to change. I feel like as time goes on, but so far so good. Yeah. Ugh, I have so many like tangents. I want to go off on that, no, but so I'll stick with like one at a time. Um, <laughs> so I've talked about this. I feel like on another episode, but I've kind of had like my own journey with alcohol, but at one point in college, I decided to stop taking any shots because mm-hmm. I was like, those are like literally just getting me drunk. And I like hated yeah. who I became when I was drunk. So I was like trying to limit my alcohol. Like that was kind of what I chose at that time. And I like felt the same way. Like it was like a conversation starter and like a way, honestly, for me to start like sharing my faith, because the reason I wasn't taking shots is because I was not honoring God when I was drunk and yeah. <laughs> it was not helpful. Um, yeah. And it was like really interesting just like hear people's perspectives, like on that. And then just be able to like have that conversation and just kind of like plant those seeds in relationships that like you normally wouldn't ever be able to, but you're like in a bar and you're like, yeah, like let's talk about Jesus and how I don't honor him when I'm drunk. Like, just like so random, but yeah, it's crazy. The like conversations you can get in just like deep faith conversations, just by like choosing like decisions like that. Um, kind of like talking about like college and like this, like kind of expectation to drink. Do you think like there's a pressure to like have a party stage? I definitely think so because I feel like for like some of my friends that never really had that in college, Mm -hmm. it's almost like, Oh, well, like you, you missed out. Like you're never Mm going to say like, Oh, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but, um, just to be able to say like, Oh, like I've lived that part of my life. Like, yeah. Like you got your fix almost. Mm -hmm. And, um, as much as like, I truly have learned so much through going what I've gone through and like my relationship with God is so different. And Mm -hmm. I think I also have developed so much more empathy towards, um, like people who are just walking through this or like, yeah, even, um, towards friends when let's say they drink too much one night, I'm like, how can I judge? I've done the same. Yeah. So I'm really, really grateful for that because I had a couple of friends when I went to college kind of cut me off because, um, I was drinking and they mm-hmm. didn't want to be associated with someone who drank. And, um, I think it really helped me just realize like how, even though you might not agree with someone's decisions or you might be able to so much easier, easier, easily yeah. <laughs> see the hurt that those decisions are causing uh-huh. them there's still people and they're still trying. And like, I just remember that like immense hurt that I felt when those Mm -hmm. friends ended because someone decided I wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. or my decisions weren't good enough. And, um, yeah, I think it goes both ways though, because I think I honestly judged them for not having it. And yeah. Oh, they think they're too good. Like, Mm -hmm. and and that's, that's prideful too. Like that's a sin just in the game. So Um, I definitely do think there's a pressure to have that stage. And like, I definitely think for those who choose not to have it or choose to go to schools or do things that take them away from that, I'm sure they get questions Mm -hmm. because even, even me being 23, almost 24 and not drinking, like, I think I've had two people since I became sober make comments and surprisingly they were always people that were like in their late fifties. Yeah. And it's like, you're never going to be in the right. I think it's the same thing with like marriage, like marrying young, marrying mm-hmm. old, like people are always going to have something to say about your decisions. Yeah. And that's almost where like at the end of the day, when it comes to sobriety, when it comes to purity, when it comes to your political beliefs, like it's truly between you and God, mm-hmm. like no one else, like at the end of the day, I'm going to be sitting in front of Jesus when I go to heaven. And it's not going to be like, Oh, like, did you obey what so-and-so told you? Like, no, it's yeah. gonna, what did you listen to the words I was pouring into your mm-hmm. life and you walk in obedience to those? Yeah. And I've like, with being sober, because I get asked so many times because I will go out with my friends still, mm-hmm. like if it's their birthday or like, yeah, well, even going out to dinner because I like dancing and like, mm-hmm. I love being around people and like running into people that I know. And I don't think there's any shame in that. It definitely 
I definitely will say you're more aware of what's going on around you. And yeah. that can be almost a little heartbreaking in itself. But um, yeah, like I said, I still like go and celebrate people. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, you almost have to have like your response prepared. And what I've yeah. found is like the best way I ever can respond to someone who asks me about sobriety is like, I love myself better and I love God better and I love mm-hmm. other people better and I'm sober. Yeah. That's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and when you really look at the Bible, like that's what it comes down to. It comes down to love. Like I um, remember listening to a podcast when I was like, it was in the very early days of me deciding I want to be sober. Cause I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this. Like I have to have concrete beliefs because mm-hmm. if I don't like someone's question is just going to upturn everything. And then yeah. I'm going to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So I started listening to podcasts and reading books and articles and like following people who were sober too, who I still thought were like really cool. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't look at them any different, which is like also a thing you kind of tell yourself, you're like, Oh, people are going to think I'm weird. Like, no, no one cares. Yeah. No one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Uh And so I listened to this sermon and they were talking about how obviously alcohol was in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus's first miracle was turning water into wine. But the reason he had that miracle and performed it there was because it was in celebration of someone else. And so like alcohol has always been looked at as like a way of celebrating someone And so then when I looked at my decisions and things that I'd done under the influence, I had to ask myself, I was like, was I celebrating my friend really well when I got so drunk that I threw up? Yeah. Was I celebrating um, someone's wedding when I was so drunk that I didn't remember a thing? Like, was I celebrating my birthday when I drank to the extent of having a panic attack and Mm -hmm. hid in the basement until my friends left? Like, no. And I just think in every honestly different topic just boiling it down to love and like Mm. that's what God truly wants us to get out of his word like that clears everything up it's like it definitely takes a lot of thought to get to a point where you're like comfortable Mm -hmm. with your decisions but and like that's honestly why I'm so grateful for your podcast talking about sexuality and purity Mm -hmm. because like one that's something no one ever talks about two it's no, nothing any woman talk about. Yeah. And like three, it's, it's such a hard road to walk. And like, it's so evident in the Bible that like God values our singleness. He values our dating seasons. Mm -hmm. He values our engagement, our marriage, but how do I walk through those in a way that God wants me to? Mm -hmm. Because if he values that, like I need to in the same regard, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's hard to discern. Yeah. I like how you're talking about like having, it's like kind of like have your why behind it's Mm -hmm. like really like stand firm in it. And that's really like what launched Emma and I to like start this Mm -hmm. podcast because it was like the same question with us, but like, why are we waiting to have sex until marriage? And it was like, the only reason we had was the Bible told us so. And so it was like, (laughs) we really had to have like a, like firm backing to that and like a reason and like a response to tell people when they would ask so that it didn't just completely crumble because lots of people have some really great reasons for having sex before marriage. And it's really compelling if you like, don't actually have like that foundation to like really make your decision. Off yeah. of. So it's yeah. so true. It's like when you don't have that foundation, um, when temptation presents itself, mm-hmm. like it just crumbles apart. And yeah. I even felt that way with, um, like my decision to not have sex before marriage when I was dating a guy, because like, because he wasn't, a Christian mm-hmm. in the same regard that I was, um, he continued to ask me like, Oh, like, why aren't we having sexy for marriage? And after yeah. a while, like, I don't know, why aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> can you tell yeah. me, like, can you just please like this once agree with me? So I don't have to explain it because uh-huh. I don't. So yeah, I completely agree. And it's almost something that I feel like this season of singleness that I'm in right now, I can feel that God's creating those foundations for me and like not only in purity, but what I want in a relationship, because yeah. it's really hard to define those when you're already in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hard. So then so like you're expecting something of someone that was never there to begin with. Mm-hmm. And like, and then at that point you're asking someone to change and yeah. Start. Yeah. It's so difficult, man. Relationships. Oh, um, I guess kind of like on that kind of a tangent you did a series of posts on the potter's house about Mm -hmm. like the seven deadly sins and one of them well you did one 
on alcoholic believe mm. yes you did and that one was good but the one that like really stuck was stuck with me was about sexual sin yeah. and I was like really interested just to hear kind of just like your journey with that and like you just shared like a little bit of it but I'd love for you to kind of like go into like one like why did you decide decide to start writing about the seven deadly sins like why did you like choose to like really share your heart about this one yeah okay so I guess I'll start with like just why I started writing those I feel like one, it was a huge conviction point for me. Like I knew that if I wrote about these, like I had to really hold myself to Mm -hmm. like, if I'm writing this, like, am I actually practicing that? And, um, honestly, the one that I struggle with the most is probably, um, like gossip Mm -hmm. like in full transparency. I think it's really hard as a woman. It's really hard as like one that all my friendships are in different places. So like if we're not talking about what we're currently doing, what do we have to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of started writing it honestly for the gossip purpose. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I really need to like reach out and almost create that firm foundation of like yeah. what I believe in and what I want to stick to and hold myself to. Um, but the sexual sin one. Um, so let's see, I, I don't even know. I'll start from like literally just me growing up. Um, uh-huh. so I switched schools, um, from elementary school to middle school. And I didn't have like a ton of friends in middle school or elementary school, honestly. And even in high school, like I still kind of kept like a close group, Mm -hmm. but then still had friends outside. And, um, something like I felt like was kind of a constant was like, this sounds awful, but like the guys I always liked never liked Mm -hmm. me in return it was like always like the guys that would like break into your locker to put something in and you're like please like how did you get my combo yeah (laughs) and so that was like I felt like for so long I had that mindset of like I just like wish someone would give me attention I wish Mm -hmm. someone would pay attention to me or like love me in the way that yeah I don't know and especially like my self-love back then so good so Mm -hmm. I was like why does someone love me like I love me and, um, also with my parents, um, they got pregnant with me when my mom was finishing her last year of college. Mm-hmm. So it was like completely unexpected. Um, then they'd been dating for about three months at the time. Um, and my mom actually had an appointment for an abortion and just because they'd only been dating for so long. And like my yeah. mom, had, um, both come from kind of broken backgrounds and, um, households. So especially for my mom, she didn't have any idea what it was like Mm -hmm. to be part of a family, nor how it looks to have a mother or to be a mother. Mm -hmm. So my mom had that appointment and my dad actually ended up calling her and was like, I want to have this baby with you. Like, I want to marry you. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what I want. And so my, my mom was like, okay, like, that's all I needed. Like we can get married, whatever. So I honestly didn't know that they'd only been dating for three months before until like probably like a couple months ago when we were talking oh, about wow. So I always thought they'd been dating for like a year or so, but, mm-hmm. um, so I almost was, I was always raised with like that, this worked out for us, but it shouldn't have. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want this for you, which yeah, true. Every parent would probably say that, especially when it's in circumstances that like my parents said, shouldn't yeah. Um, but as I got older, I just realized, like, I was always hearing my, both my grandmas and my mom saying, like, make sure you do this because, like, I never got to because mm-hmm. I had a baby and because, like, I got married because I thought this guy was my dream guy and yeah, it was just about sex or it was just about that connection. And um, so I kind of always had it ingrained in me, like, like, oh, like, you can't lose your virginity. You can't lose your virginity. Like, you have to break the trend. You have to break mm-hmm. the So I, towards the end of my like high school years, like I finally like had a couple guys that I liked show interest in me in return. And like literally the minute a guy would show interest, like, oh, I'll make out with you whenever, like Mm -hmm. I'll hook up in your car. Like I'm just not having sex, like that kind of thing. And it was always like on the, like low on the radar, like none of my Mm -hmm. friends knew. And, um, I honestly, especially struggled with like sexting over Snapchat and stuff. Yeah. Um, because for me, like I never really had any guys that like wanted 
to actually like date me or like mm-hmm. hang out with me. So like, I almost was like used in that way. Mm-hmm. I also like allowed it and like, yeah, yeah. I don't, like I almost took on this pride that like, oh, I was a tease. Like I could get these guys to like want to talk to me, but then I would never do anything with them. Like mm-hmm. almost like that pridefulness. Like I've waited my whole life for someone to pay attention to me and now I'm almost taking advantage of it. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. It's, it's, then that's honestly why I started writing is because I'm like, I wish someone would have talked to me when I was in high school yeah. or early college, when I was doing these things and been like, oh my gosh, like you are worth so much more. Like, can't, don't you realize like God can give you this or like mm-hmm. one day you will be like years beyond these guys and be like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I even entertained this. Yeah. So Honestly, I started out pretty rocky in the purity department, but like still kind of clung to that idea of like, I'm mm-hmm. a person, like, look at me. Yeah. And especially as I got to college and like none of my friends were, um, I had a few, but for the most part, all my new friends were not waiting for marriage or like hadn't waited and were still trying to figure it out. Um, and then I started seriously dating, um, like my first boyfriend and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it was like, yeah, I started, like, I'm, I'm not having sex before marriage. And like, I'm not gonna do anything besides like hand stuff, like as yeah, the nitty gritty detail, uh-huh. <laughs> all that stuff. But like, I had no roots and like why I was doing what I was doing. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, I just haven't done that before. And then once you, when you have that line and it's not built on anything concrete. You just keep pushing it and pushing yeah. it and pushing it. Yeah. And then you're almost at the point you're like, why do I even have the line? Mm-hmm. And anytime you have the conversation about boundaries, it's like, well, we already crossed it. Like, what's the point of crossing yeah. it? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up actually, um, like did not wait till marriage with him. I, in complete transparency, once again, um, I don't remember honestly a ton of like, us having sex and stuff because a lot of times I was drunk, which Mm -hmm. was a huge indication for me when I was choosing sobriety is I'm like, how many different levels of heartbreak could I have avoided if I just wouldn't have allowed myself to be in this spot? Like, yeah, obviously, obviously that was on him, but it was also to an extent Mm -hmm. too. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been pushing those boundaries. I shouldn't have drank to that point. And if I was feeling that way, I definitely shouldn't have been around him. Yeah. And so anyways, I, I guess I ended up getting out of this relationship with him and just feeling like I like lost that entire part of myself in terms Mm -hmm. of like, wow, like I'm going to one day have to tell my husband, like, you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. I didn't wait for you. And also like that feeling of like, it just added a whole nother level of heartbreak to like that breakup because if I wasn't already so mentally set, unmarried mm-hmm. with him and like I was physically sad in marriage with him too because I had already like promised him that part of myself that mm-hmm. I hadn't promised anyone else yeah so I mean it definitely like it took some time to kind of get through and just kind of come to terms with that heartbreak but also realizing like like this has nothing about me and like God does not look at me and see me as someone who is just barely getting in or who messed up too far. And like, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe whoever I end up marrying is obviously they won't be grateful that I had sex before marriage, but to an extent yeah. they will be so grateful that God used these mistakes to grow me into the mm-hmm. person that's sitting across from them. And Definitely. like, yeah, I really think if anyone's dating someone or engaged to someone or married to someone who doesn't see it that way, they're not appreciating like God in its full mm-hmm. So I don't know if that really made sense. You can ask me. Yes. Oh my like, gosh. Old. I'm so glad you shared that. I feel like my experience was like the same down to a T like yeah. very freakishly. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's um, it was a tough one. Yeah. Especially like in high school and Snapchat. I just, yeah. Well, and wow. that's like, I kid you not. So right now I'm single and, mm-hmm. um, I like met a guy this past, um, like winter 
and it was like the first guy that I could like without all the like oh like making it up in my head like I could genuinely uh-huh. myself marrying this guy yeah and um like it didn't work out and stuff at least to my knowledge wink wink um <laughs> but after that I was like holy cow like this is legit like god mm-hmm. has someone like that for me and if it's not him it's someone that will somehow knock my socks off even more yeah and like what am I doing right now to prepare myself not for him, but like for the person I want to be when mm-hmm. I step into that season of my life. And so much of that was purity because yeah. before him, I would Snapchat anyone. I would Snapchat guys just to have someone to talk to. I would text mm-hmm. anyone yeah. and like I would write it off as like, oh, we're just friends. But like, mm-hmm. no, like this guy's not talking to me because he wants to be my friend. Yeah. Like no guy talks to you because they want to mm-hmm. be your friend. And I would like go on dates with anyone. And like, I always had this, like, I know this isn't right in my heart, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, I don't want to like cut myself too short. Like what if he's yeah. and it's like, no, if you have that like deep down pit in your stomach feeling probably not the one. Yeah. And I feel like honestly of all that we've talked about, like my biggest piece of discernment from God has always been, been inner peace mm-hmm. and like just following that where it leads me. And like, so I tell you what, it sucks because I've gone on like dates since. And I just, when I have that lack of peace, I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm not even messing with it. And it stinks because you're like, wait a minute, this guy's great. Like, yeah, awesome. Like he has so many like positive pointers, but like, if God isn't giving you that peace, like it's for a reason. And when you push that and like, keep going on dates, with them, you always end up coming back to the same spot. Mm-hmm. So but I want to hear your experience. Yeah. Oh my word. I'm going to hear it. Rocky ride. Um, (laughs) I feel like very similar to yours. Um, I feel like, you, I mean, you know what our high school is. We went to high school together just to clarify that for everyone listening, but West. so I went to West and I transferred to East. Okay. That's That's totally fine. Um, so yeah, I feel like our high school like was definitely like the culture was kind of like purity culture, but like not like I don't really know how to like fully explain like, or like the culture outside was. It was so like purity centered in terms of like super condescending everything yeah. that was beyond just kissing, mm-hmm. but everyone did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And like, yeah. and that's truly why I struggled with sexting so much mm-hmm. was because no one talked about it. And then all these guys are out here, like, clearly this is happening because yeah. they're expecting it from me. So they're getting uh-huh. it. From else. Yeah. So yeah, it was like interesting because like growing up, it was like, yeah, like you save sex for marriage. And then in high school, like I didn't really like date anyone, but on Snapchat, I would start like sexting guys. And I was like, really insecure and that was like my way of like finding like validation and like who I was because I was Me actually being, like wanted by someone but then like kind of on the flip side it's like what I thought kind of like gave me my edge and I wasn't like telling anyone that I was doing yeah. this but I was like I can like pull it out if I need to to like give myself some sort of like credibility like mm-hmm. which sounds like so horrible like now but like that's like genuinely like I like thought that like made me like not like not pure but like just like gave me like an edge if I like needed it and then like going into college it just like got so much worse and like that's actually like how I got into like a relationship that like went off and on for like years and it was so abusive and it's like so toxic um yeah like it really all just like started in high school like with sexting and like I wouldn't tell anyone about it and it's like not like we really like talked about it but then in college that's like I'll say like more where the edge came out because it was like weird if you like hadn't had sex yet or you hadn't done certain yeah. things. And so like, that's kind of like what pushed me to be like, oh yeah, well, like I sexed, like mm-hmm. I do that. And then like, it also like led me when I was at parties, I would get drunk and I'd like use me being drunk as an excuse, to, like make out with guys or do other yeah. things with guys. Cause it'd be like, oh, haha, like I was drunk when like I full on like knew what I was doing and what situations yeah. I was getting myself into. Um, which is like another reason, like why, like I stopped drinking, but yeah. And then kind of similar. I started dating a guy. He wasn't a Christian. Um, he was kind of like a Christmas Easter Christian, you know, like just went to church, like on the holidays with his family. Um, but he like, didn't want to wait till marriage. And then I was like, 
I do, but also I don't, but the Bible says so. And so we would, we would push like all of these like boundaries that like I had never even clarified her boundaries. So I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. Like if it's not yeah. like sex, sex, like it must be okay. Um, and it, like, really, that was the turning point for me where I was like, no, like I actually don't want to do this and I don't exactly know why. So I like really need to like break up with this guy and like research and like mm-hmm. actually like come up with a reason of like why I'm not. And like actually see maybe like at the end of this journey, I will decide to have sex before marriage. But like, that was like, mm-hmm kind of like what kind of pushed me there and like I mean I've struggled with it for so long like afterwards but like that was pushing factor and like why like I'm like here today and like why I want to talk about this stuff with people so yeah so very similar to yours definitely (laughs) it's it's like so hard to get a read on because I don't know I actually had someone message me on Instagram when I was posting about like some books I was reading that had some like pretty heavy sex scenes yeah and, like and I'm not talking like I mean let's be honest like when you're reading and there's like oh it like gets a little heated it's uh-huh. like you don't usually think too much about it because I mean if you watch a rom-com there's at least two scenes yeah like yeah but this book every single chapter was like mm-hmm. a very graphic in-depth sex scene and I didn't know that going into this book but I had posted on my story about it and how it just like, didn't make me feel super great. And, um, like was wondering if anyone else was feeling that way. And, um, someone asked me, they're like, why do you feel shameful about this? And it really wasn't that I felt shameful. It was that I could fully see that I was like, my mindset was becoming like, oh, this is what it feels like when I'm loved, like Mm. when I'm doing in those intimate moments with someone, like that's when I'm most loved. And like, that's Mm. when I feel seen and valued and cared for when like, in all reality, you can do those things without any of those. Like Mm -hmm. that's what our culture pretty much pages on these days. Mm -hmm. I also think like, just like a huge part of like who I'm as a person now has really just been like my identity, like actually being found in like mm-hmm. Jesus. And I think beforehand it was like kind of like a head heart, like disconnect where like, yeah. yeah, like I know I'm his daughter. I know my identity's found in him, like all this stuff, but then like actually like feeling that is so much different and it's hard. It's hard to actually like put away like all of this like stuff and be like, no, like I'm actually like the daughter of the person who made like the universe and like he wants to have a relationship with me and he like values me beyond like anything I'm doing and like he sent his son to die for me and like fully like realizing those things and just like the weight of his love was like really what I was like oh like I don't need my identity to be found if like a guy wants attention from me it's like that just seems like so petty like in comparison you're just like oh definitely did he send his son to die no no and it's like that whole idea of like I'm obsessed I'm obsessing over the creation instead of the creator yeah yeah I don't know like not it's not a good look when I really think Mm -hmm. about it like oh sorry god yeah and like just to like think that he would like withhold anything good from us Mm -hmm. like he just has such great plans for us and like he wants us to be like healed and he like wants us to have love and like yeah it's so hard because I think in the moment it's so easy to gravitate towards those like instant gratification, mm-hmm. like, like sexting, like yeah. making out with a guy or, um, especially for like women like us that might, mm-hmm. um, just like yearn for that type of intimacy and like connection yeah. with someone. Um, but I have to remind myself that like those are, it's just so temporary. Like I can't, I can't tell you one instance of me making out with a guy drunk that I'm like, uh, still dream about that. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, that still gives me so much purpose. Like, Uh I one, I don't remember it. And two, like they, it wasn't important because that Mm -hmm. not who God wanted me with. Yeah. I think something that's really shifted my perspective. There's this podcast that's so good it's called um a beautiful story I think it's called it's like a beautiful story New York CB I think CB New York something like that okay basically this woman um 
I think she's like in her thirties when she's talking about like this season of singleness Mm -hmm. and how she started praying for her husband and just was so expectant of like God's promises. Mm -hmm. Um, but something she said that really shifted my perspective of like purity and like, um, like being single and like praying on that, like future spouse or like discernment in that area. Yeah. It's just how she prayed with gratitude. Hmm. Like in those moments where she's like, well, she didn't, she didn't specifically talk about like sexual temptation. Yeah. But like for me in those moments of like, wow, it would be so easy to Snapchat this guy right now. Or like, wow. Like I could, I could DM this guy that like, I've been following forever. And like, Mm -hmm. obviously we follow each other for a reason just to like remind yourself, like, you know what, God, like, thank you so much that my husband will pursue me first. Like, thank you so Mm -hmm. much that like my husband probably doesn't even have a Snapchat. And if he did, he would not Snapchat me back. Mm -hmm. And like, God, thank you so much that like my husband is probably sitting in bed right now, like praying for me too. Hmm. And just like kind of shifting that idea and like almost creating like this little like fake husband guy, like that doesn't exist. Like, like those prayers are so specific. Like hmm. this woman's story was insane. The amount of, like, she would pray. She's like, God, thank you so much that like, we are spending so much time apart in our thirties right now. So that when we get together, we are fully healed from everything hmm. that happened prior. Hmm. And like, she's like, that was so evident in our relationship. Like we never really had to heal together. Like, because we did that individually with God. Wow. So I feel like in those moments, just like remembering, like, like God's got you mm-hmm. like so many, the older I get, the more stories I hear of people finding their spouses or their dream jobs or all these crazy different connections God creates like with families and like having children. Um, you just know, like God's got one of those written for you too. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that so much. I definitely gonna have to listen to this podcast too. It's so good. I think I've listened to it like three times and I need okay. to because like, I'll, I'll be like going strong in my singleness. And then, and then I have like a month breakdown. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you need to listen to that podcast again. If this girl did it, you can do it. Yeah. I just have the breakdowns that I'm on hinge and like New York hinge right now is absolutely just bonkers just in general. And then I'm like, I'm never going to find someone. I'm like, well, that's it. Like I'm just gonna be single forever. And then I start spiraling and I'm like, oh my gosh, Olivia, like you need to get it together. (laughs) I think, I think my problem is like, I don't ever see guys. So Mm -hmm. when I do see them, I'm like, are you my husband? Yeah. That is not okay. Like what is wrong with me? And like, Uh uh-huh. I don't know. That's even something to pray about in itself because I'm like, I am not husband hunting. Like yeah, this man will pursue me and like, God will have it at the right time. Like mm-hmm. I just need to sow the seed and like surrender everything because I never want to look back and be like, was I just like scavenging hmm. like yeah. for the right guy? And like, because like, if that's like, I, I just, I, I want a story like that woman has in that podcast. That's so faithful and so mm-hmm. obedient and just like, so tuned into what God wanted for yeah. her life and like wanted from her in that season. I don't want to look back and be like, oh yeah, I was like scraping the bottom of the barrel. And then mm-hmm. oh, the right came along. Like, I want that obedience. Like I want that to yeah. be her story. Yeah. Because like, when I think of my future husband, like, that's what I want to like, I don't want him Snapchatting 50 chicks and I'm the only one that responds. Like, mm-hmm. so almost putting it in that perspective, like, what do I want my love story? And like, cause our love stories are a testimony of God's love too. Mm-hmm. And like, that's such Definitely. a really, really cool opportunity to like show other people too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, kind of as the last question that we ask everyone, do you have any resources like books or podcasts or I don't know, like documentaries that you would like to share that would help girls? Definitely. Um, in terms of sobriety, there's a book called ice water, please. It's by Eddie Arana. He is from Chicago. Actually. I will say he swears a ton in the book personality, but I like it. I feel like it adds a little spice and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know it's like, you know, what he's writing is like, this is not BS. Like yeah. I mean, this is how I live. Mm-hmm. And so that book, I truly, I read it in a day. Wow. Um, the day I decided to stop drinking and was like, yep, this is it. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so much of what he wrote, like kind of resonated with me in terms of, um, just like that desire to almost please people through drinking, yeah. but like, then realizing the only person you don't please is yourself. Mm. 
and it's not even written from a Christian perspective either, but it, it's so, so good. Um, I will have to get back to you with that podcast that I listened to that I referenced earlier. Cause I can't right. remember that one. Perfect. And then, um, I guess I have like a couple tips for sobriety too. Yeah. Um, okay. So I never will be around people drinking that don't support me and not drinking mm-hmm. because like, that's just going to end up creating temptation for you. It's mm-hmm. definitely going to hurt your heart and your relationships with those yeah. people. And like, also it, there's no good way to argue with someone who's drinking and you're not mm-hmm. like, regardless if that's the argument. Um, I always will like bring like Trader Joe's, for example, has like fun little, like almost seltzers, but without the alcohol. And they're really uh-huh. good for you too. So I'll like, that's almost like my treat. I'll like buy those for myself and bring them to events. Um, and then I think the hardest thing for me, the first year I didn't drink was like the first of everything, like the first birthday party I went to sober, like the first 4th of July, the first, um, vacation, like, so every first is like really tough because Mm -hmm. you can't imagine it any different. Yeah. Swear every time I'm tempted to drink, I feel like God gives me a reason. Like, like Meg, this is why you don't drink. Mm -hmm. Like I literally DD'd from, um, a bar up North with some of my friends. And I definitely would have been drunk if I was not sober and we got pulled over and the guy was like, yeah, we pull over every car on this road because we're always Mm -hmm. looking for junk driving. And I'm like, I literally would have gone to jail. Mm -hmm. And like, so God just always gives you those moments where you're like, yep, this is why you're doing this. And like, he's never far off. Like I Mm -hmm. pray all the time when I'm in those spots. Um, Lauren Murray is a girl on Instagram. She's literally from Detroit. She's sober. And I, she'll like post, um, sometimes about sobriety and like, I don't know, she's just so cool and so sweet. And like, she's a Christian and, um, it's almost one of those like, Oh, you know what? I already want to be like her mm-hmm. sober. So like double whammy. Yeah. So those are great. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I love the porch podcast. I mm-hmm. love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, and if anyone wants to find me, you can find her at on Instagram at underscore Megal underscore, or you can find the Potter's house at at underscore the potter's house <laughs> yeah the underscores are hard <laughs> really hard to just throw in there um so yeah and as always you can either dm us um or email us at the or the at gmail.com so thank you so much for listening